You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. Film cameras. Instant cameras. And everything analog photography related. Have you ever played the game Snog, Marry, Avoid? Or perhaps you know it by another name such as Kiss, Marry, Kill. Just in time for Valentine's Day, I team up with British photographer and creative director Anil Mystery as we play Snog, Marry, Avoid, but with cameras. I'm Matt Murray and this is Matt Loves Cameras. Hello my friends, how are you? I hope you are well, wherever you are all around the world. Welcome to another episode of Matt Loves Cameras, episode 57. And in today's very fun show, I am joined by British photographer and creative director, Anil Mystery. I'm sure Anil is someone who's familiar to vast swathes of the audience. Anil has been a fantastic contributor to many blogs, podcasts, as, as well as being a fantastic photographer, both film and digital. And uh, yeah, this was a really fun episode that we recorded before Christmas. So uh, that explains a couple of the references there to, to sort of maybe Christmas or winter time. I mean, it's still winter over there, but it, this was recorded a few weeks ago now. So there you go. So we're going to crack on into that in about 60 seconds. Uh, before that, I just want to say to you, make sure that you come and say hi to me on TikTok. I've decided to sort of, it's been weird the last year or so, I've been trying out different platforms, seeing what works, what doesn't. I really love TikTok. I love to watch videos on there. I think they're funny and they're very, it's a very addictive platform. So I've finally decided to post some new videos on TikTok. I've posted two videos this week already and I've got loads more ideas for things I'll be posting on. So it'll be stuff like, you know, photos I've taken, cameras I have, uh, some thoughts on current issues in the uh, the film photography world. So come say hello. Just search for Matt Loves Cameras on TikTok and come say hi. And of course, you might remember in the first episode of this year when Lucy Lumen and I talked about our goals, my TikTok was not in there, but YouTube was. So I'm sort of using TikTok as kind of a practice ground for seeing myself on camera and, you know, putting visuals and audio together. It's something I'm kind of, I'm not entirely new to it, but I've never done this all for myself before. So I'm kind of using TikTok as a warm up to launching my own YouTube, hopefully around Easter. I might, I might start my YouTube maybe before we'll see. Okay. Let's get started with today's episode with Animal Mystery, Snog, Marry, Avoid. Here we go. My guest today needs no introduction to many film photography podcast listeners. It is, of course, the wonderful creative director, photographer, and general all-round, very knowledgeable person, Anil Mystery, live from Brighton. How are you, Anil? I'm good, Matt. Um, very nice to meet you. And that was a lovely introduction. Um, I'm not in Brighton. I'm just down the road in a place called Shoreham by Sea. So oh, I'm coming, very nice. Yeah, from Shoreham Beach. But you are Shoreham Beach. But you are. So how far away from Brighton are you exactly? I'm seven miles away, so oh, it's not just too bad. Road. Yeah, excellent, yeah. excellent. And what's the, the British weather? I mean, I, I lived in the UK for twelve years. What's the the British December weather doing this close to Christmas? 
it's pretty much doing what it does every single other day of the year. So it's <laughs> it's sort of grey mess. I mean, w- w- winter seems to not happen over here anymore. So it's uh, global warming, I'd imagine. Or but we yeah, we don't get snow. We don't get yeah. really get extreme weather anymore. So it's good on one level. Uh, yep. But you know, yeah, no no chance of snow. Probably even. About the same chance you get of snow, really. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Well, we've just had, um, because we, we're on the Pacific Ocean here on the East Coast, we get these crazy weather events called uh, El Nino and La Nina. Uh, and at the moment, we're in La Nina. So it has been raining. When it's La Nina season, we get rain and buckets and buckets of rain. Um, so it's kind of crazy. Um, and then, of course, the El Nino we had a couple of years ago with all the bushfires. So, yeah, definitely global warming going on. Um, but I'm really, really happy to talk to you today. And it's funny, I, I ahead of our interview, I actually started looking on your Instagram and your website. And it, I had actually had the same kind of thing happen to me when uh, before when I interviewed Jeff and Gabe from My Dreamer Cameras. I sort of thought, oh, yeah, no worries. I've got them locked in. That's great. I'll just do a bit of research, a bit more further research about them. And then I started getting really nervous when I read about all the amazing things they've done. And exactly the same thing happened when I went onto your website. I started getting really nervous. Um, so you've got an incredible career uh, as a creative director and a photographer. How did you get into it all? Well, I've, I, I think from a very early age, I, I love drawing. I think from the age of five, I remember just drawing became a passion. Uh, as a kid, I wanted to make cartoons. Um, so drawing was just very visual. So I went through this whole journey of going into animation. So I studied animation and graphic design, um, but then actually trying animation, I realized it was deeply boring. And I, 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 I preferred to be the person that came up with the ideas and the person that actually did the animation. Sure. Um, sure. But at the same time, my, just my drawing took me into other places, designing streetwear and fashion, um, making pop videos, all sorts of stuff. Um, so uh, basically, I, I, just that visual side of me uh, sort of expanded. Um, I worked for t- in TV for years, so I used to direct live TV for Nickelodeon. Mm. I was a creative director for Paramount. I was a creative director for Disney. Um, and I kind of uh, got to a stage that the TV thing started to bore me. And, and despite the fact that I'd, I'd been a director in the past, I'd never really sort of learned photography properly. It sounds silly. Sure. Um, so it was only about five, six years ago, I properly picked up a camera again and taught myself from scratch. And since then, photography has been probably my main creative outlet and it's starting to become a bigger part of my income year on year. Sure. And what I love about it is because I paint as well and draw, but photography gives you very quick output for the time you put into it. And, and that, that's what I like. I like the quick results because as you, as you know, as you get older, time becomes the, the, the enemy. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Now, one thing about, I was going to ask this later on, but you're talking about instant results. But I guess one noticeable thing that I, I haven't seen in your Instagram is any instant photography. Now, maybe it's just that I missed it, but have are you into Polaroids or Instax or is that something you've, you've passed by? Or No, no, I've got about three Polaroid cameras. I've got two Fuji Instax cameras and I've got the NOMS 42 camera, which they oh, yeah, sent yeah. from from Hong Kong. So I bought the original on the Kickstarter I gave them some feedback and they sent me a, a free second model oh, wow. to, to play with. Um, I frankly haven't had the time. It's been about four months. So it's, I'm looking at it, it's sat yeah. on the shelf there. Um, so what they've done is they, they've tried to uh, fix the fact that when you, because it runs on Fuji and Stax film and you, t- you can stick M42 or all sorts of other lenses on mm. it. Uh, but the problem is you end up with a really circular sort of view within the rectangle. And they tried to fix that by adding another, magnifying lens unit within the camera but in the in in the 
in doing that, what they've done is it, 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 it sucks up so much light, you sort of lose about another three stops. So unless you've wow. got really bright light, it gets very yeah. difficult to shoot. So it's something that, you know, the, the results can be lovely. Um, I, I just haven't had the time to play with it properly. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah, and, and do a, a proper review, which I sort of owe them, really. So uh, you just made me feel pretty guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. No, I've, I've definitely got my own guilty things in the office here that I, I was supposed to do reviews for people. And it's kind of like... Yeah, I kind of it's kind of a version of writer's block almost. You, it, it's sort of sitting there and weighing on your mind. And I, I've got it. I've got a couple of weeks off now over the Christmas break from work. So uh, doing a couple of reviews of things are definitely on on my list of things to do. And <sighs> so tell me about your background. Like on your website, you say um, like many of the people in the UK, you you list yourself as a, a British Indian person. Are yeah. you second, first generation, second generation, third generation? So my parents came to this country in 1968. So I was uh, born here in 1970. So yep. I'm, I don't know what that is, first generation. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah I, was born, I was born here. So, yep. you know, I've grown up in, in two cultures, basically. Yeah. Um, and what part and of so India were your parents from? So they come from a place called Gujarat, which is a big state. Yep. Uh, is it beneath Maharashtra, where Mumbai is? Um, yes. Was it above it? I can't remember, but essentially it's their farm people, farmers, carpenters, yeah. um, artisans, basically. Yeah. So there's a bit of a, a link there, family sort of history with what you're doing now almost, so that sort of artistic kind of link almost. Yeah, there, there, there's always been sort of creativity in my family. My dad could draw. Um, yeah. My sisters were quite creative. And now uh, my wife is an art teacher and oh, wow. uh, designer my son is now studying film and my other son wow. is studying product design so oh, awesome. art and design yeah is, has always been sort of a big part of the house uh, yeah and the family is full of art books and paintings and all sorts yeah and have you been to india yourself i have i've been, been twice i went uh once when i was nine um and the last time i went was in 97 with my mother and father yeah um which was a great trip. Uh, mm. I would love to go again. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, obviously, with everything going on in the world and also the fact you need a bit of money. Yeah, sure. I went into, in, I've only been to India once. It was 1998. And by, by the time I went, uh, I'd been to about 20 countries and I considered myself, you know, as a young man, I was probably a bit arrogant. And I considered myself a bit of a world traveler and I booked a ticket here in Brisbane. I booked a ticket to India and the, the lady um, that was booking the ticket for me, she was of Indian uh, descent. And she sort of said, have, have you been to India before? And I said, no. And she sort of I laughed a little bit and she said, well, you know, you're in for a bit of a shock. And I was like, what, what is she talking about? Well, she was 100 percent right, because as soon as I landed, it, it was like nowhere else I've ever been. Uh, it was, I was I've never really experienced culture shock. I've been to countries where English, no one spoke English, you know, um, but I got to India and I was completely uh, just shocked by everything. It, it was amazing. And yet it was kind of freaked me out a little bit as well. And I, I, I would love to go back one day. Yeah, it's such an assault on the senses. I just <laughs> yeah. remember you, know, you land at the airport and as soon as the plane opened, the smell and the heat hits you yeah. in the face. Yeah. And India is, you know, it's, it's a humbling experience because you, I want to take my boys there because I want yeah. to show them how most people in the world live. You know, Absolutely. there is a, a lot of poverty in, in, out mm. there. People don't have electricity, water, but yeah. at the same time, it's a very spiritual country and people sort of find joy in life and in things that, you know, we, we've sort of forgotten about. Yeah. And um, I, that's what I love about the place. It grounds you and makes you realise how fortunate you are, you know. Uh, mm. We call it first world problems and they are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great. Well, speaking about some first world problems, should we have a little game here? We've, we've, I've pitched this concept to you some time ago, and it's based around um, a game I don't think I'd ever heard of before I actually went to the England for the first time. So 
despite my strange sort of weird accent, I'm, I'm Australian. I, I grew up here. But when I was 20, I went over to live and work in the UK. And I used to work, uh, I worked in a pub in Chiswick. I was terrible at, at working in pubs. I was absolutely useless at pouring pints. Um, and then I went to work for a, a British um, holiday company, a kids, uh, children's vacation camp, holiday camps uh, called PGL. And I'm sure many um, British listeners will, will know about PGL. Um, so I went to work there. And that was a real, a bit of a shock because uh, all of a sudden I was working with all these English and Scottish and Welsh and Irish people. And I was, you know, there's, I think I was the only Australian there. And all of a sudden, although we speak the same language, you know, it, it's really weird. Like there, I remember the first day I was there, they were talking about a, a girl, these guys I was, I was hanging around with, they were talking about this girl at the camp saying she was really fit. And I was like, oh, like, you know, what is the, to me fit? Like, what does she run marathons or something? Like, and they were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, because to me, fit meant she was physically fit. She was really active and she ran marathons. But of course, it, it fit meant good looking. So it, it is weird how we speak the same language, yet there were so many different nuances of things going on. And then every night in the, um, in the, we sort of worked, we got up at 6 a, 6, 7 a.m. We took the kids for activities, took them for dinner and played after, after sort of uh, evening games with them before they went to bed, the kids. And then we'd all end up in this little room where we we drink and play Risk, the, the board game, and and play stupid drinking games. And, and one of the drinking games we used to play, and I'd never heard of it before, was something called Snog, Marry, Avoid, where someone would list three people, uh, and you'd have to say whether you wanted to snog them, you wanted to to marry them, or you wanted to avoid them. Uh, and I think sometimes it was called Snog, Marry, Kill, or I don't know. There was it was it was variations of that. Uh, is this the game that you ever played in the past? Yeah, well, the actual, um, I'll say the word, but you can leap it out. But yeah, it, it's not snog, it's shag. So it's yes. shag, marry, avoid. So, Absolutely, that's right. So, yeah, the point of it is the shag is the, the, the thing you most desire. Um, yep. Marry is the one that you, you feel steady with. Um, yep. And, you know, and then avoid is, yeah, avoid. That's right. <laughs> okay. So we're going to play that little game with um, some sets of three cameras. So we've each got some lists of three cameras here. Uh, what what terminology do you want to use here? I mean, it, it sounds weird saying we're going to snog a shag a camera, but what what what's your recommendation? Snog. We'll, we'll pick snog. Of, uh, we'll yeah. snog. Okay. So I'll, I'll go first because uh, it's my crazy okay. idea. I'll, I'll go first. So the first set, I've got six sets of cameras here. I'll do one, then you do one. And the idea okay. is that I'll I will pitch these three cameras to you, and you have to say which one you want to snog, which one you want. So that is the one you design the most. Which one you marry? Which one you you know quite happily using forever? And which one you want to avoid? And now for this one, I've actually got all three cameras here. Um, ah. Now this one, does this bring back any memories? This is the first one in this set. It's a Nickelodeon photo blaster. Oh gosh, I remember that. Yeah. Did you ever Over use plastic, this? Over colours. <laughs> they made the yep. greatest toys for kids. Just the most stupid, crazy, nutty toys. Did you wow. ever use one of these? Or no, we had them knocking around in the office. You uh, never, never pinched one. Uh, Sorry, no, I've never taken a picture. I should have, actually. Yeah, you should have, should have grabbed one for yourself. So that's the yeah. first camera. This one here is the Nickelodeon Photo Blaster. The second one is, to be careful, I don't drop the second one, is the Fujifilm Renshikardia. What the hell okay. is that? So this is a, basically, it's a Japanese golf camera. So this, this came out in the 90s. Uh, golf was wildly popular in the 1990s in Japan, golf. It was so popular that a lot of Japanese businessmen used to fly to Australia play a round of golf and fly home because it was cheaper for them to do wow. that than play golf in Japan. So this is a 16 lens camera. And the idea is there's a little golfer on the front that you might be able to see. Yeah. The, the shutter button is actually a golf ball on the bottom there. Wow. And the idea is that your mate is taking his, you know, or stroke, his or her stroke, and, and you press this and you get a nice, uh, across two frames of 35 mil film, 
you get 16 images of them doing the of them taking their golf stroke but of course being a camera with takes uh you know multi lenses you can actually use this for other effects as well so that's the second one uh they're actually thanks to youtube some youtubers are actually very expensive now those wrench cardias and the third one third one this one you might find familiar as well this is the robot the dairy robot it's called or the Ro- action frame robot three there we go <laughs> <laughs> so the reason you're you're familiar with that is i've actually hooked you up with one to take a few frames with and yeah. of course if anyone's wondering at home what the link between these three cameras is it is of course that they all have multi lenses uh, okay, so the, the, the Wrench Accardia has 16. The Photo Blaster has two, but you can take a lot of images on one frame of film. And the robot takes three on one uh, piece of one, one frame of 35 mil film. So that's, that's the first lineup in the Snog Marion Avoid. Uh, which, okay. What are you thinking? Well, I, I uh, many years ago, I had a, a Lomo camera that took four frames. And I love whenever I went. Uh, abroad on conferences I'd take that because it was always great capturing multiple frames of someone jumping into a pool or something yep. um, but that golf camera I think the fact that it takes 16 frames um, that just sounds like something you could capture things in motion take it into Photoshop pull individual frames out and animate them and yeah, that yep. just looks amazing and I think I would definitely go for that I can imagine shooting with that on a bright day yeah you know um, with some you know ISO 100 film Yep. and getting some beautiful results. So definitely the golf camera, because it just looks crazy. <laughs> it is. That's great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, that, so that is the one you're going to, to snog, is yeah. that right? Which one? Which right. one oh, yeah. So, of course, which yes. Which one do so you want to marry? Is the golf carrier. Uh, is yep. a golf camera. <laughs> um, marry, I think, um, I'll go for the, the robot camera. I can't remember what that's called. Yep. I think it's called the Robot 3. Robot 3, because um, I, was, I was looking at the results earlier today. The fact that it, it has three it takes three photos two yep. sort of almost square ones and one more rectangular one i think what i like about it is um and i'll have to try out the one i've been sent um is that it provides an interesting challenge for what you actually shoot mm-hmm. uh, because of the fact that it's an odd number which is really strange for a camera yeah um so uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what i get from that um so that would be my marry i think yeah um and then not void but yeah the last one uh, i would say is the nickelodeon photo blaster just for the sheer waste of plastic that <laughs> in the 90s, people love yep. big, bright plastic things, but it looks incredible. Yeah, it does. It, it's a very chunky, cool camera. Now, my my results are actually the same as yours. Uh, I, I, I will definitely snog the, the old Fujifilm Renchicardia and I'll marry the robot. So I do love the robot. I've taken about only three or four rolls of film with it, but I love it. And I do like this, but I, I, I've had this for a while now, about a year. I haven't actually shot any film through it. The only thing that puts me off is you have to press the shutter button a lot. You know, with right. this Renchicardia, you press it once and it takes 16 images. This one, you've got to keep pressing. And, um, you know, I, I'm feeling like, oh, man, I feel like I've got to press it like, you know. So that's the only reason I would avoid it. But I, I'm not really going to avoid it because I'm going to shoot with it very soon. But I, I'll actually go for the same as you for that lineup. Uh, and so that that's our first set done. You're listening to Matt Loves Cameras. That's the one you're going to use. <laughs> <laughs> so it's my turn. So uh, hmm. 
Okay, so I'm going to go for it's a, a, a bit of a fantasy one because these are these are three cameras I've held, touched, and taken a shot with, and yep. they're beautifully tactile. And then they're from that great sort of the end of the film era when luxury cameras became a thing. Um, so this uh, this is three luxury point and shoot cameras. Excellent. Um, I want you to choose from. Sure. So the first one, um, I'm sure you know it, uh, is the Leica Mini Lux. Yes. Uh, which I, is just a beautiful metal object. Um, the second one is the Nikon 35Ti, mm. uh, which has a very similar shape to the Leica. And the third one, of which I've, I've played with the gold version, which was the most bling, ridiculous thing ever, is <laughs> Contax T2. Excellent. Ooh. Well, these are three cameras that I've actually looked up on eBay and followed on eBay for some time. So the Leica Mini Lux I've only started looking at recently. The T2, I was very close to getting a T2, but I went with the, the T3 instead. Oh, just because it was a bit smaller. That. Yeah. And wow. this cost a ridiculous amount of money. Um, so, but uh, yeah, the T2, I, I still would like to try out the T2. If for no other reason, it has a 38 mil lens, whereas the T3 has a 35. Uh, and of course, the Nikon as well. I've also flirted with the, of buying the Nikon, but um, Jeff Greenstein from I Dream of Cameras put me off a little bit. I mean, you know, cameras are very individual and that's a, that's a silly thing to say in a way because you should never, just because someone you know and respect doesn't like it, you, you could have a completely different experience. So let me think, let me think. I will go, I think I will go, I, I think I'm going to, for snog choice, I think I will choose the... I think I'll choose the Minilux, like a Minilux, simply okay. because um, I've never I never shot with a Leica at all, really. I've, I've maybe a Minolta CLE, which is similar, but never shot with any kind of Leica. So to have a Leica point and shoot, and I love point and shoots, so I think I'd choose that. In terms of marry, I think I'd probably marry the old, which one? Uh, I think I'd probably marry the, the, T, the Contax T2, uh, simply okay. because I really enjoy the T3 um and yeah and, and probably the avoid one i'd probably avoid the nikon only because it's got those dials on top and i know sometimes because i wear glasses now i i do find it annoying uh i don't i don't really understand how it works too much but i think do you have to look at the top dial a lot when you're using the nikon i think uh, a friend of mine sandeep has got one or had one um mm. he, i um I, I play with the friends in Hong Kong. I, I think the dials just show you what you're, what it's sure. doing. They're not necessarily things you have to turn. I think they're, yeah. they're more like in an old car, you know, just yeah. showing you your revs. And so there's just a nice, it's a very experiential, visually mm. beautiful display on the top. Um, but they, they are just very dense. I mean, all these cameras are beautifully heavy and dense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's annoying. I, I had an opportunity to buy a, a black T2 in mint condition about four years ago for about yeah. 400 pounds. I mean, oh, no. <laughs> you couldn't buy the, the cover for that much now. Yeah. They, they've gone through the roof. I, I went through a phase of, I sort of dumped some of my, uh, I had a, a Yashica T5, yep. which was in absolutely pristine condition, gorgeous lens. But when it came down to it, I, I my worry was that this thing will just, you know, uh, brick, brick one day yeah, and die yeah. and be a waste. And I, there's so many other good cameras out there that you mm. can get, which have exactly the same results for a lot less money. So sure. Yeah, I got rid of it in the end. Yep. So I think, so, yeah, I'll, I think I'll avoid the Nikon just because I, I feel like even if they didn't really do that much, I feel like I'd be uh, distracted by them and I have my glasses on an awful time and it'd drive me crazy. Yeah. So what, what about your answers? What, what are yours? Uh, so for my, my three for that, I, I would, I think, I, I, I'm tempted to choose a Leica first, but I know that they're riddled with issues. 
um, uh. those cameras that the um, the the display can go and they can suddenly just stop working. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, they're, they're sort of very well known for that. So I'd probably go for the Contax T2 because it's a bit little bit bigger than the the other two, if I rec- recall, and it just feels better in the hand. So that'd be my snog. Yep. Um, I think my marry. I'd I'd I'd, I'd try the Mini Lux as my second choice. Yep. Um, because they are beautiful. I mean, they're, they're, they're just gorgeous cameras. And um, the third one would be the 35Ti. Not that it's an avoid by any mm. means, but it would Same. be third on the list. <laughs> yeah. And just but coming back to what you were talking about before, about getting rid of some of your cameras, was did that just apply to some more of the, the more expensive point-and-shoots or uh, point-and-shoots no, altogether? Was, I, I've been going through a, I mean, probably like you, I, I collect cameras sometimes just because I like the way they look. Um, mm. it's an aesthetic thing um, and you go through journeys don't you you go down a rabbit hole one type of camera you explore it and then you end up somewhere else and you find that you know yeah. there's certain things you don't use um, also it was part of just raising money because I wanted to buy a pro DSLR at one sure. point um, I, I've i been on a, a bit of a, a medium format journey as well so I had a uh, Fuji GA645i mm. which was beautiful uh, and I loved the camera uh, because I do like the results of medium format, uh, but uh, the workflow, yes, you've got one there. They're, they're, they're this be- is on loan. This is a loaner from a, from a very good listener, a very, very loyal listener of the show, Paul. So this is on loan only. But and they feel so great in the hand. They do. Don't they? But um, I had one of those, um, but the, the autofocus was just a little bit unresponsive for my, my liking. And mm-hmm. I, I'm a fast worker. I, I get in, I zap shoot and move on yeah. um, i'm quite an impatient photographer um then i bought a mamiya 645 pro tl uh so it's a bigger chunkier 645 camera yeah and that was lovely i bought a whole bunch of lenses for that but i was going through i just went through a phase of just thinking i think the problem was back then also i was shooting the way i shoot digital so i shooting a lot but not, mm-hmm. not slowing down and stopping and thinking so it was punishing me financially you know you sure, think yeah. and also you you know you accidentally take a shot in a medium format and you go oh my god i've just spent a pound right there yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so then i sold that as well and i stopped the medium format uh, but then i um only recently uh in the past month i've got back into it because i went through a journey of I, i've been shooting a lot more sort of high-end pro digital jobs mm. and that, that idea of really beautiful in, uh, image quality started to get me thinking of, of medium format digital and it's not a cost i can um just afford right now so i started looking back at some of my 645 shots and i realized they're, they're just lovely you know mm. shooting with um the slow film uh you get such a lovely detailed image so um, I went down another rabbit hole. And I, so I just recently purchased the Pentax 645 N2. Yep, I got which, one up there on the shelf somewhere. <laughs> and as you, they're just beautiful. They are, nice. they, they, yeah. are, they are like DSLRs. And what yes. I like about this camera is it's all in one one unit. You know, the handle and the motor yep. wind, everything built in. It's got aperture priority. The, the, but the, the thing I really like about it also is that it's it's relatively new. I think these were made mm. between 2001 and 2006. So they're... They're full of good technology and the autofocus is so responsive and it's yeah. so fast. Uh, so it really suits my workflow. I love the com- compact nature of it. I could fit it in a yeah. rucksack and I end up with loads of bags full of crap. Um, so I'm really enjoying that at the moment. Uh, so Are I'm you shooting the with city. the autofocus lenses or the manual or a bit of both? I've been buying, I've got the uh, 75, I've yep. got the 45 and I've got the 35. Um, nice. And what was that one on the camera just there you showed me? 
This is the 35. Oh, okay. Sure. No, this is the this is the 45. So that's yep. a 28 mil equivalent in 35 mil. Nice. Um, and that's nice. So that's a nice sort of nice for street photography, basically. Just yeah. walking around and grabbing shots. So I, I and also I've just changed the way I shoot with film as well. I've slowed down. I've forced myself to slow down more. So I'm not just thinking, right, I've got to kill this role before I get back home. Yeah. I'll happy, <laughs> happily let the role rest. Um, so hopefully I'm, I'm going to just be a bit more productive um, with that. And Is that I've because of rising the- film prices or the, the development and scanning costs or? I think everything, I, I, it occurred to me last, not God, I'm losing track as everyone has over the past few years. When did lockdown begin? How long have I been stuck here? Um, but when lockdown started, I, mm. I had a period of three months without work. And yeah. uh, I remember I, I, I had 33 rolls of film, I think, I had to get developed. Wow. And the cost of it was punishing. And then, yeah. you know, jokingly, I said to myself, I bet 10% of them are decent. And I was right. It was bang on. 10% of the shots are okay. Wow. And I just thought I was, I was putting a lot of money into film um and not getting purely through my own fault because the way i shoot mm. uh, so I, I went i just stopped shooting film for a while and i just started wandering the streets with my dslr and, and playing with that um but now you know i'm working again and so I'm, I'm just you know uh ticking those boxes and getting back into that world of film but albeit in a, a more structured and patient way which mm. is i think what i needed to do Sure. Uh, I, th- yeah. I think I've been sort of similar. I In 2020, I shot over 80 rolls of film. I think to me, film was a distraction from all crazy stuff going on in the world. Uh, and I was out of work myself in 2020. So that was worrisome. But I had a lot of film in the fridge. I just blasted through it. Um, but then all of a sudden, I think probably at the start of this year, there was this realization of like, I'm getting these shots back. And like I, I took 10 pictures on the end of that roll just to finish the roll because I wanted to send it off. And they're just 10 pictures of crap. Like there's, yeah. three, there's three pictures of the dog. I mean, you know, like I love the dog, but they're not even good pictures of the dog. So I, I've, I have sort of slowed down a bit myself because um, I guess I'm worried in a way of the cost of like the color print film has doubled, tripled. Um, I don't really mind the cost of the development because, you know, it's $14, $15 here. It's, it's pretty good, but um, it's just the cost of film going up and then getting the images back and going, well, the first half of that role was good and the second half I just wanted to finish it. So I've, I have tried to, to do that myself, really. And I have, I've also tried to get more back into digital as, as well myself. Um, but it, it's funny, they, they are just a different feeling of, of, of sort of, I sort of, I, I guess I'd pick up a film camera if I wanted to have fun more than take a serious photo necessarily. I don't know if that's true, but um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been doing myself. Yeah, I found that you know, digital is a great way to you know, to learn, you know, um, and just to play because it doesn't punish you. You can take a thousand mm. shots and it's not costing you anything. Yeah. Um, and also, I've enjoyed just from my pro work of just learning to grade better and um, all that. And, and also, I, I'm just now I've just gone and bought a Sekonic light meter. I just want oh, to yeah. stop playing because I've always been never used a meter before. I've got a bunch yeah. bought, but I've never used them. So I'm, I want to just go out and start properly metering and seeing mm. what that i get so and what's um yeah i've matured <laughs> <laughs> and what's your digital um setup of choice okay um it's a nikon d850 which oh, yeah. is staggeringly good i mean mm. uh, the, the shots you get from that at iso 64 are, are beautiful and um i've got a whole bunch of uh i've got some sigma lenses so the 50 and the 35 art uh but then i've got some lovely uh, vintage Nikon glass so the 105 mm. 2.5 the 51.2 there's a whole bunch of Nikon and Voigtlander glass I've got as well I've just got the Carl Zeiss 85 1.4 planar which is 
just mind-blowingly beautiful. Mm. I guess you're switching some of those lenses are going back and forth between your digital and your FM3A. Exactly. And that's what I like. You know, I can use them on both cameras. So I'm getting the best out of both, both worlds. Um, So I don't feel bad. Yeah. When I buy a lens, because I know (laughs) I can use it on the other camera. Cool. Excellent. Moving right along. um, We're going to go to my second onion on the second set here. Okay. So the second set here, and let's see if you can tell what the link is between these three cameras, three very, very different cameras. So the first one is, and I'll pick this up again. Uh, This is from Paul, one of the listeners of Matt Loves Cameras, and he sent up, he actually heard, um, of course, there's a friend of mine who lives on the Gold Coast uh, near Brisbane, uh, and my friend is Lucy Lumen, who's got a YouTube channel, she shoots film, and she was talking about, she thinks she was using Mamiya 645 from memory, and she didn't really gel with it, and so Paul said, I will send you up this, and you and Matt can shoot with this. Uh, So we met last weekend, and we we shot a roll each on this beautiful uh, GA645 professional camera. So this is the first camera in the set. The second one I also have, I'll show you. I love this camera. Because my eyes are so bad these days, Anil, I used to have perfect eyesight, eyesight like a hawk. And then all of a sudden I hit 40 and I don't know what the hell happened, but uh, my eyes are so bad now. I'm like, my glasses are like Coke bottles. Um, But there's very few manual focus cameras that I still have. I I usually just get rid of them because they're they're too slow. I'm a bit like you. I like fast results. I don't like to take too long focusing but I have kept onto this one. This is the Olympus Pen FT. Uh, so that's the second one uh, in the set, Olympus Pen FT, a beautiful classic 1960s SLR from I Olympus. think I know what the link's going to be between them. <laughs> and the third one, so probably put it beyond doubt, I've actually got one in the house, I just don't have it here. It's a Fuji Instax Mini 9. Uh, yeah. But you can substitute any uh, Fuji's plastic Instax Mini cameras. Do you know what the link is between those three? Yeah, I think the link is that they all have portrait mode viewfinders. Correct. So when you look through, everything's in portrait mode. Um, exactly. That's what I loved about the GA645i. Mm. I did a review of it for Emulsive. I call it yep. the portrait machine, which it, it is. I mean, it's so good for going out and just cracking off portraits. You're not having to mess around and re-angle yep. the camera. Um, I had to go, a, a friend of mine had a Pen FT uh, and had to play with that. And I do love half frame. Um, I, I've just been revisiting some of my half frame shots and realizing how good they are. When you shoot with a good ISO 100 film, mm-hmm. black and white, you get really crunchy shots. Um, and I have an Instax Mini somewhere as well. Um, so uh, Snog, I think I'd go for the 645i. I think I would you know, love to have one of those again. I I'd yep. constantly keep looking at them again. Yep. I mean, it's doubled in price since I last sold it a couple of years ago. These, these cameras have gone crazy, as you know, yeah. on, on eBay. Um, Mary, I'd go for the Pen FT. I, I love the fact that it's um, it, it's got a whole ecosystem of lenses um, mm. and it's interchangeable lens. I've actually got a, um, a half frame Konica auto oh, yeah. reflex. Yep. Uh, which they're quite rare, aren't they? Yeah, it's uh, it's and it's beautiful. I mean, it's mm, shutter wow. priority, interchangeable lens. You can shoot in thirty five or um, uh, full thirty five or half frame. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's a lovely camera, a bit of a tank. Um, yeah. and then I, I think avoid, I'll go for the Instax mini cause yeah, you can f- pick them up for peanuts anywhere. That's um, right. You can. And, but you know, they, they do lovely shots. So yeah, for me, the six, four, five, I first FT second and the Instax mini third. Mine, my, my sort of list here is very similar. I probably go 
for the snog one, the one that I want the most, it'd probably be the pen FT um, simply because I know it, I love it. And um, I, I do really like, you know, with film getting more expensive, you know, as I think one article I read on the web points out one, one way to, to shoot, be more economical by shooting film is shoot half frame. And it's probably never been a better time to get into half frame. So I choose the pen FT for the snog for the marry. I've only shot one roll with the 645. Uh, it, it did feel really good. I must say it did feel really good. And I'm waiting for the, my lab scans to come back probably in the next 48 hours. So I'll be really interested to see. What, one question here. I mean, I'm not really like a, a bokeh lover or a bokeh king or anything, but what's, you know, my, I looked at this camera a few years ago and I guess the one hesitation why I didn't buy it I wondered if when you take a portrait of someone, you know, is the background kind of blurred? I mean, I'm not expecting it to be really blurred, but is it is it a nice kind of portrait feel to the images, do you think? Yeah, I mean, they mm. really do pop. I found, again, with medium format that, you know, the slower the film you use, so yep. put some Ektar 100 in it and yep. it's, they're gorgeous. Uh, and obviously the, the closer you can get, the better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've always just found it to be beautifully crisp when you when you can nail the focus. And and that camera is it, the eye is better than the six four five in terms sure. of focus. It got better. Excellent. Um, yeah, that's a problem when someone loans you a camera. You you, you end up getting uh, even more gas than you usually would. Uh, and then I would, of course, yeah. I would I would avoid my. I you know I love Instax, but I would avoid the uh, the Instax Mini. Uh, yeah. So there you go. That's the the vertical viewfinders. Okay, so I'm going to go, it's my turn now. So uh, I'm going to go on a little uh, trip back in time now. So uh, these are all cameras that I have owned. Um, and I have a love-hate relationship with um, rangefinders. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they, they are useful and they are fun. And so I thought uh, I'd, I'd get you to choose between three aperture priority M-mount rangefinders that Ooh. I have owned. And one that I still owned. So, yep. first is first up is the Voigtlander Besser R3A. Oh yeah, yeah. I had one of those in grey, and it was beautiful. Um, second was is the Leica M7. Ooh, uh, we all know. <laughs> yeah. And third is a camera that I still own, um, and that's the Minolta CLE. So they are all rangefinders. They all take M mount uh, glass, yep. and they all have aperture priority. Excellent! Wow, this is hard um okay so i think for the for the snog it's kind of easy i've i've never owned a Leica, as i said earlier so um i would really love a Leica. one day i will get one uh so i would definitely choose a Leica m7 for the snog for the marry it's a little bit harder because what do i choose here i did actually choose i did actually shoot with a minolta i can't remember if it was a cl or a cle um but alan um another listener of the show at the film sweats on instagram set me up the Minolta uh, to play with it, but I didn't, I didn't get on too well with that. So I think I'm, I think I will avoid the Minolta CLE, even though everyone raves about that beautiful uh, Minolta glass. I think I, I feel bad, but I'm going to put that in the avoid category. And for the Mary, I will go with the Voigtlander Besser R3A. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I did love the Voigtlander. So for me, I think, um, okay. I, yeah. Snog the Lycra M7. My problem with the Lycra was, I, I just I had it. It was beautiful. I got to a point where I just got a bit annoyed with rangefinders. I found I felt disconnected from the way I shoot. Um, yep. I like to when I shoot portraits as well. I like to see what I'm seeing, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to just lining up squares. Also, my worry was, you know, for the cost of it, if that camera gets bricked, it's a very expensive brick. Mm. So if I went back, I'd probably get an M6. Um, but then I, I love aperture priority, so I probably wouldn't use it. Um, 
Mary, I'd, I'd say I'll stick with the Minolta CLE. Um, yep. I, I love it. I love the camera. It is everything the Leica M7 is, but it's smaller. Yep. Um, it's, it's cheaper. Cheaper, you yeah. You can buy three or four for the price of an M7 right now, wow. and, which is crazy. Mm. Uh, and they, they, they just feel so good in the hand. And avoid, I would go for the R3A. The reason, the reason I, I went off the R3A is I, I'm slightly colorblind, and though mm. the R3A has a very big viewfinder, and it's got this lovely digital display that comes up within it. Mm. Um, you, ha- I felt that I found that you have to hold it at a very particular uh, angle, angle to see everything properly, because yeah. otherwise the, dis- the the information just disappears, and the color in which the information appeared was a color I just couldn't pick up sometimes wow. in my eye. Yeah, yeah. So though it, it looks so damn cool, it just yeah. wasn't one that I could Practical. use. Properly. Yeah. But with all of them, that my favorite lens has been the Voigtlander. Uh, knocked on 40 mil 1.4 which is just my lens of choice on all of them yeah you still got um, that one yeah it's still on my cle here it's just an absolutely beautiful nice piece of glass yeah. um i've also got the canon 50 mil 1.4 uh ltm which is wow. gorgeous a lovely portrait lens it's got a very long throw you spend ages going back and forth to now <laughs> that focus um, and that's the question i was going to ask you how how much slower was it say using your Leica m7 or using an slr how like to say uh the fm3a versus the, the Leica m7 does the is the rangefinder a lot uh take a lot more time to focus or is it just yeah. more annoying or it's more about purely the way that rangefinders focus you're you're, you're because you're there's a disconnect you're not actually seeing what you're, you're, you're lining up two squares and having mm. faith in that. It's as simple as that. Mm. And for me, when I'm, you know, I'm shooting a portrait on the street, um, I want to see that moment where I see the, you know, you're, I always look for the, 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 the spot of white light reflecting in someone's eye. Once that yeah. is in focus and you get this moment where you get it, you see it. Whereas yeah. I, I just didn't feel I could have that sort of fine tuning. I felt I was having to just give mm. that faith over to the camera. And don't get me wrong, you know, they're, they're both they're great cameras, uh, yeah. Leica and Minolta. But I, for me, I like to actually see what I'm seeing. In a way, it's the same problem I'm having now that DSLRs are becoming mirrorless. Yeah, um, people are moving over. I hate a, a um, uh, an electronic viewfinder. I feel detached from what I'm seeing. So <laughs> I'm going to run that SLR into the ground as far as I can. <laughs> Yeah. And hopefully by some point they'll have some really cool heads up display, which lets you see the way an SLR sees or something. Mm. I'm, I'm just waiting for it to uh, change. One day. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. If you would like to support this podcast, why not buy our data coffee? Visit coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Matt Loves Cameras. And buy him a coffee for just three dollars. Excellent. So for my next lot, I've, I've actually reused the camera here uh, for my next lot of three. Uh, so the next one, uh, again, this will be pretty easy to tell what the link is here. The first one is once again the Olympus Pen FT. Yep. The second one is, and I've got it here. I've got so many cameras here, and I've got cables and everything i i know that you know this camera this is the canon multi-tele oh yes yep yep and the last one just for a bit of novelty cute factor is the golden half the hello kitty golden half made by superheads <laughs> right what is okay. the link Anil? what is the link uh they are all half frame cameras with Correct. Vertical, yeah okay. i think frame. They- 
they're all half frame. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So for me, definitely snog is the multi telly. Um, <laughs> it so damn good. That camera, it is very sharp. I love the fact that you've got two lenses in there. Well, one lens that mm. pops out and gives you a different view. Uh, but again, if you put in some ISO 100 black and white film and I love the way that the flash looks on that camera, when you, mm. when you fire off shots with flash, everything looks superb. Um, and that is such a good point and shoot. Um, and if you're going out and playing, as we as we discussed before, with half frame, you you know you've got double the amount of shots, and you can have mm. fun, and you're not as you know you're not going to spend as much money. Yeah. So definitely yep. that snog. Uh, Mary, I'd go for the Pen FT. Uh, again, it's a lovely camera. Yep. I know they're getting they're getting hard to find in clean condition, aren't they? Because they're so old now. A lot of them are full of fungus, and you know. Yeah, and yeah. the light meters. It's very rare that you get a light meter that works. So I had one. I had one with a light meter that was working, um, and then the light meter stopped working, and I was really annoyed because I loved that. I, I just find it in terms of simplicity, in terms of you know, it, it'll the, the thing will say four, so you just put four on the dial. I, I just found it perfect for me, so I actually bought another one um, yeah. with the meters working because I yeah I just found it a lot easier, quicker to shoot. Um, that way ah, okay yeah okay so which means you're avoiding the little plastic i'm avoiding hello kitty i mean you're very cute but uh <laughs> no thank you <laughs> well all right I'm, I'm going to I'm, I'm a bit conflicted with this one because i actually bought the multi-tele uh, i think i heard you on sunny 16 talking about the multi-tele and i went out and bought one but i've never really got on with the camera which is strange because I'm a, a huge fan of Canon's point and shoots from the 80s and 90s. I think, you know, people always talk about point and shoots and might talk about Contax or Olympus, but the Canon point and shoots were spectacular. Um, it's, but, but this particular one I've never really got on with. So I think I'd probably choose the middle of the road one. I, th I think I'll choose the Mary for the, for the, the multi-tele. I think I need to give it another go. I think I've probably been using my other Canon point and shoots more and not giving it a fair go. So I think I've, I've got to get that one back out and give it some more love. Uh, for the Mary, I'll be uh, sorry for the snog. I'll be boring again and go for the Pen FT. And although I do like the, the Hello Kitty Golden Half, you know, it, it's a pretty basic camera. Uh, it is cute, but it is very basic. Um, there was actually a book out um, probably about 15, 20 years ago when they brought this camera out. They gave this camera to Japanese models, I think, and they had to okay. document their daily life. And I tried to get a copy of that book, but it's so expensive because there's not many copies. It was like 80 or 90 US dollars. And I'm like, mm, I want the book, but I don't really want to spend 80 US dollars on it. Uh, but but one day I will we'll get that book and have a look at it. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Over to you. Oh, no, my turn. That's right. So I've done that one. I've done that one. Let's see. Uh, okay. This one should be interesting. Um, hopefully you will have used some of these. So this list is called cameras. I don't get on with <laughs> three Excellent. cameras I own yep. and uh, I don't get on with for very different reasons. Mm -hmm. So the first one is the Yashica 635, which is a TLR. Okay. Yep. Uh, from 1963 or 65, I think. Um, yeah. The second one is the Olympus OM-2N. Yeah. And the third one is the Agat 18K, which is a half frame. Tiny, I'll show you it. Yeah, a tiny half frame camera. Yep, from the USSR. Yeah. Uh, and sh I'll t yeah. Should I tell you why I don't get on with each of them? Well, I've done my research. So yes, please. But I've done my research. So I know the reason why you don't like the agate. I think it's because you don't know how to load it. 
Yeah, it is. For me, it's a, a, a problem I have with a lot of Russian cameras. And I know mm. Stephen Dowling would, would disagree <laughs> or maybe agree, actually. I, that, that just in terms of quality control, yeah, you, you are literally tossing a coin every time you buy one because yeah. I, I just feel that if they were all made 5% better than they were, the majority of them would work. But mm. you... Uh, th- this Agate 18K is beautiful as a piece of industrial design. It's stunning. Mm. It's like something Agfa would have made in the 80s. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I simply can't load it. I've had it for nearly four years now. I've been messing around. Whenever I'm in a, a half decent mood, I'll try and load the thing and it just falls apart in my hands and I end up putting it back in the drawer and swearing yeah. at it. Then the Olympus OM2. So what, what is um, the, so just yeah. to go back to the Agate, what, what happens? Like you try and put the film in, but it won't load properly or what? what is the it- film doesn't go in and then trying to put the case back together afterwards. Right. Everything, yeah, yeah. everything is plastic. There doesn't seem yep. to be a piece of metal in it. So you feel you're going to break it. It is so shoddily built. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. Uh, yeah. I just get really frustrated. And it's sort of, it, it's a good example of anti-photography for me. Things yeah. that make it unnecessarily difficult. Yeah. Yep. Um, to, you know, and it's not even the design. It's just put a bit, of, you could have put a bit of metal in there to make the, you know, yeah. this little thing a bit more sturdy and it would have been great. Yeah. Uh, one day I'll get there. Yep. Um, and the Yashica six three five. The reason I don't like it is it's, it's more. Um, it, it's a good example of why a lot of medium format photography bugs me. It's it's just a very slow workflow. Mm. You know, you have to do certain things in certain order. Cock the shutter. Do this. Do that. Meter. Blah blah blah. Hold it yep. steady. And then it's also got that double opposite thing. So up is down and left is right. Yeah. Uh, so you feel like you're playing a, you know, Microsoft flight simulator <laughs> yeah. on the keyboard yeah. or something. Um, and it, yeah, it just bugs me. I, I And I end up shooting double frames by accident and all sorts. Uh, so again, it became counterproductive for me. Um, and it made me realize what kind of a photographer I am as well, mm. which is impatient. But what I would say fast. I'm not impatient. I, I just like a fast workflow. Yep. And then third, the Olympus OM2N, which is a beautiful camera. Don't get me wrong. Um and I have a good copy. Copy I've just recently had it CLA'd, uh, but I'm just not a fan of the all the controls on the lens itself. Mm. Uh, it really bugs me. It's just not something I'm used to. And of course, you know, people will argue it's instinctive, and once you get used to it, yeah. And I I, I get it, you know. But I'm just I'm I'm more used to Nikon's and other cameras doing yeah. it differently than that. So sadly, it sort of sits on the shelf. Yeah, um, it should be used because the times I've used it, the, the results are beautiful. Yeah. Okay, that's a, that's a very interesting, very different list of cameras there. I will go, I think I will snog the Olympus, uh, that one, OM2N, was yep. it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I only have a, an OM10 and OM20, so I think that one sounds, I think it's a bit more of a, uh, a better camera in the range, so uh, I'll be interested to try that one out. The the Mari, I'd have to go the Yashica 635. Uh, I know what you mean about TLRs. I've got a roll of Flex T, uh, which I haven't, literally haven't used in 10 years. It's absolutely beautiful i'm the second owner again i'm feeling very guilty here for not using it um but again i i should get it out again but i know exactly how you you know it's just a slow process and the up is down and left is right uh but i, I do need to get it out uh, i remember i used to shoot slide film and i tried to shoot um portraits very shallow focus portraits of my, my daughter which my daughter was born in england and and my wife and they were just a little bit out of focus and I was like, oh yeah. man, so I, I put it, I put it away in storage and I haven't touched it since, but I should get it yeah. back out again. But so it's, it's a very similar kind of thing, but I, I guess I'd marry that one and the avoid. Um, I've actually got my own tale of heartbreak with a Russian half frame camera. I had a, a Chica 
which is a, a metal Russian half frame camera. Wow. And I, I think a C-H-A-I-K-A or it's, you know, it's a Russian word, but it's, it's it, I think it's Chaika. And uh, the, I had this about 2010. I was just getting in, I was getting back into film for the first time in a few years. And I went around Brisbane, shot 72 images on this, uh, on this film. Uh, before I shot the film, I made sure that, you know, it, when you press the shutter, it opened and all that kind of stuff and the aperture changed. All looked like the camera was working perfectly because it came over from, you know, the Ukraine or somewhere or Russia and shot 72 images around Brisbane, you know, making sure that they're all matched up and beautiful and contrast. The film was completely blank. There was nothing uh, on the film. I did it all again. <laughs> Same thing happened. The film was all blank. So I don't know what the hell was wrong with that camera. It, it looked to me like it was working fine. The shutter was opening when you pressed it, but um, it basically broke my heart, that camera. And it was actually a reason why then I didn't pick up a film camera for a couple, two or three years after that. Gosh, yeah, it's like that. Sometimes these smaller compact cameras. Like I, I've recently gone through a little phase of Minox. Oh yeah, yeah. Minox cameras. So I've got a, a Minox ML, a Minox GT, and a white Minox. White one, yeah, yeah. Which is lovely. Uh, because, like did you pick that up at the, the photography show or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and um, they, the problem with them, some, you're not sure if you've taken a photograph because a either you can't hear the shutter go, or you can't feel it. It's such a sort of hair trigger sensitive thing. You're just not sure. And that always bothers me with film sometimes. I want mm. to know I've taken a picture. I don't mean I have to hear a big clunk mm. and hear a beep or anything, but I just want to know. Yeah. Um, so cameras like that are more for play, if that makes sense, than yep. serious, serious stuff. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's very, that's a, that's a good list there. And um, perhaps that is a precursor. Actually, I'm, I'm going to change my list around here a little bit. Hang on, I'm just moving my little notes around because that is a very good segue to go to my next list. And the first one on there, um, now this is the GL, the Minox GL. Okay. But for, for purposes, we'll, we'll go to the Minox GL then. It can't be that much different to your AL. That's the Minox GL. Yep. That's the first one. Beautiful um, camera. Very, very, one of the smallest 35mm cameras Ooh. ever made. The next one, and this one's only slightly bigger than the Minox, very, very slightly bigger. This is the Contax T3. <laughs> um, oh, wow. So I don't want to drop them there, but it, 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 the Contax T3 is bigger. Wow. Yeah, but it's not much bigger. It's very slightly bigger, maybe three, four mil. Uh, and the last one is oldie but a goldie, the Olympus XA. Uh. So these are three super comp ultra compact 35 mil cameras. The Minox, um, which one have I got again? The Minox GL. GL. Olympus XA. But you could substitute any Minox sort of variety there. I'm, I'm okay with that. The Contax D3 and the Olympus XA. Okay, that's interesting. Um, the snog, it would have to be the T3. Um, yeah. I'd love to, you know, uh, not that I, 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 I can't afford the risk of a luxury point and shoot nowadays. <clears throat> yeah. But, you know, they, they are gorgeous cameras. They're, mm. they're just stunningly, you know, the, the height of an era. Um, and they feel just the tactile nature of them is, is gorgeous. Mm. Um, so that would be my snog. I think my marry, um, I'd probably go for the Minox. Oh, now I've, um, I've got about four XA2s. Oh, yeah. And I've got like three Minoxes. My problem with the, the XAs um, is that the, again, sometimes either they've got a hair trigger 
or yep. you're just not sure if you've taken a picture and whacking the button. I end up having to replace the button on some. So apparently you can use the plastic of the flexible milk cartons. Oh, wow. You can cut that plastic out so you can use that. Apparently it has the same sort of yeah, yeah. stretching yeah. to it. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, so I think the Minox, Minox would be my um, Mary. I, I, no, my, yes, my Mary, because... I think they just look beautiful. I just mm. think to carry them and pull them out, there's a slight James Bondiness to them, but I love the industrial yeah. design of those objects there. And with a flash on top, I've got flashes for mine yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just look incredible. The flash yeah. is the same width as the camera. It sits over the top. Yeah. They look so damn cool. Um, and I think Avoid would be the Olympus XAs. Again, I feel bad because I know they're great cameras, but mm. I just I don't use them as much as I should. Sure. Um, so that's for, that's how it is for me. I would, same as you, I would snog the old uh, Contax D3. I would actually marry the XA. I've had good results with that. I'm not really a rangefinder kind of guy, but I do like the XA. Now, the Avoid, I would only avoid the Minox for one reason. And so I've got this here. This is the Minox 35GL. Now, I've also got this other one, which is I reviewed in a very early episode of Matt Love's Cameras. It's called the Voigtlander. Um, Voigtlander Vito C. Now, oh, yes. a, a friend of mine from high school, she said to me, oh, you know, we were meeting as a group and she said, oh, um, I've got this Voigtlander camera I'd love to give you. Uh, this is like about 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh, great. And when she said a Voigtlander camera, I'm expecting this big Germanic hunk of metal. And she turned up with this and I was like, what? I've never heard of this. Um, but this is basically made in the same factories. I'm sure you know the Balder factory in West Germany uh, as the Minoxes. And um, I actually prefer the Vito C over the Minox. Uh, now, there's no aperture priority in this one, so that's a bit of a disadvantage. But the main thing it's got is it's got a focus scale on the top there. So, you know, it goes to what infinity, um, you know, uh, 20 feet or, or yeah. six meters down to close focusing. But the, the genius of this is when you look through the viewfinder, there's actually um, there's the classic symbols of one person, two people, three people and the mountains. So as you twist this, you can actually work out where how, how far away you want to focus. Oh, what lovely. I find annoying about the Minox is I'm looking through here and going, oh, what, what am I on again? And, yeah, you have uh, you to know, look down, move it away from your face. Yeah, that's correct. So that's the only reason I, I actually prefer, I really wanted something for aperture priority like the Minox, but I actually prefer shooting with this because it's just simpler. Yeah, I found with those small cameras generally, when they've got that scale focus thing, I'll just stick them all on mountain, go for the widest, yeah. um, and just use it in that way, and just yeah. see what see what happens. Basically, they're yeah. they're a bit more experimental for me uh, to yeah. play with, but they're great with black and white film. They always look good. And that's um, that white one you've got is that that's fairly rare, is it? Or it is quite rare. And I'll, I'll see if I can dig it out um, somewhere in here. Sorry for the listeners. I've just gone to my cupboard. My camera cupboard. mystery the mystery cupboard literally the mystery cupboard there we go oh wow got the case from everything not 35 al wow which Very just nice. is beautiful yeah uh, it's in great great condition but the, the, apparently the thing about these is they were they weren't made from mm. white plastic they were sprayed white oh really oh uh, yeah <laughs> so um I think they could end up rubbing off. I think yeah. they, there was a green one as well, which just looks great. Yeah. Green cameras always look fantastic. Um, you wonder if like, um, you know, it, it, thinking about the era in which these cameras were made, you wonder if it was like, you know, the Minox have a background of the spy cameras. You wonder if it was like a, a snow version of a spy camera, you know, the, the tiny compact camera you could take to the snow when you were taking your Cold War era photos uh, of like, the enemy like bases. The or end of Inception. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Roger Moore in uh, Spy Who Loved Me opening sequence. I, I actually think it was just in the eighties. Everyone just started to get a bit wacky, didn't they? Because yeah. plastic was the the, the material du jour right. and colourful yeah. plastic. You know, I love all those Konica pop cameras, the bright yes. yellow and the bright red ones. Yeah, They're just lovely. And all the Sony Walkmans were all those bright colours. Yeah, that so people were just trying things out because they were all copying each other, weren't they? And I, I love the Konica pop. I've, I've had I've had a really beautiful red one. But the problem with it, I've had two red ones now. The problem with them, though, is the flash just stops working. And and you read on the internet, if you leave the batteries in overnight and the flash on, it'll come back to life. But the two I've had, I've left them on for like a month and they just don't come back on. So uh, it's a shame because it's it's without the flash, it's it's a it's a pretty basic camera. It looks good, but it, without the flash, it's kind of like missing something to, to me a little bit. Yeah. You're listening to Matt Love's Cameras. My turn. Okay. So we were earlier talking about sort of high end point and shoots. Yep. Um, and about the cost issues. And, you know, and I did touch on the fact that there are pr- just as good cameras out there for a lot less. So we're going to pick from three of those now. Yep. So I'm calling these F2.8 Marvels with the great flash and a sharp lens. Ooh. So these are point and shoots from the 80s. Yep. Uh, they have an F2.8. Uh, widest aperture and they just they've got good flash on them and i i love these three cameras so the first one is the pentax pc 35 afm yes which i'd imagine you have one of somewhere i've got one right here actually They're beautiful i th- for, for me the, the the design of that it makes me think of uh the sort of look that sid mead developed for tron in the 80s yeah. Yeah. It, it's just gorgeous i love the feel of it it's metal and plastic and that just looks so good when you shoot with it they're, they're gorgeous the shots on that as good as my Yashica T5. Mm. And I'll say that hand on heart. It's such a good camera. Wow. The second one is the classic there everywhere. Uh, the Canon Sure Shot Supreme. I think yep. they were called the Auto Boy or whatever. But yes. you know the one. I've got about six or seven of those mm. in cupboards. Some in the boxes. Some never used. They, they're just wow. beautiful things. Mm. Um, and the third is the Nikon L35 AF. I've got yep. the AF2. So I bought that off a street market in Hong Kong for 20 20- 20 pounds about four mm-hmm. years ago ah. the uh film counter doesn't work but the shots are beautiful absolutely yeah. beautiful so that's okay. three yeah so i that's three very very well-known cameras here from the 80s uh so i would choose now my friend i've mentioned it earlier in the podcast my friend lucy Lindman, she loves the l35 af it's in fact i think it's her favorite camera i used hers we did a photo walk on the gold coast in september we swapped cameras i gave her my um canon uh, what is it? The, oh gosh, the short shot, the one with the 41 point, 40 mil 1.9 lens, the AF okay. 35 ML. She yes. had that. I had her L35 AF. I liked it, but I, I, I guess in a way, maybe sometimes you have this thing around expectations and I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I like it, but it, it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was anything. Wow. Maybe it was because it was being built up from everyone talking about it. So I think yes. I'm going to avoid the Nikon. Uh, okay. Sorry about that. I'll avoid the Nikon. Um, the Pentax I'm going to marry because I've got one, um, and the shots I've had from it are really nice. Again, it's a bit like that multi telly. I've, I've never really got on with it though. I, I like the images from it. I just I haven't gelled with it yet. So I'm going to, I've still got one because I'm going to give it a few more rolls and see what happens. 
Stick um, in a roll of Ektar and use the flash. Oh yeah. Okay. The shots are so contrasty. You get a lovely touch of vignetting. They're, yeah. they're just stunning. They're very, very, just very fashion looking. Yeah. I've got I've got Ektar in the fridge, so I'll do that. Yeah. And um, I would definitely uh, snog the old Canon Sure Shot Supreme. So I had because I had that FAF thirty five ML. Very hard to say after a glass of wine. Uh, you know that, that had the the fort was the I think it was one of the original Auto Boy ones. It's got the forty mil. 40 mil f1.9 lens it's like the one of the best ones and i had this sure shot supreme and i was like well this one can't be as good but my goodness the shots from that were so beautiful so sh- i was actually stunned at how sharp the images from that camera were uh, and i and i never really heard many people talking about it so i just tested it to sell it and i never sold it at the end I've, I've kept hold of it okay interesting so for me i would snog the uh Pentax PC35 AFM um, yep. just feels great to me. It's very sturdy as well. It's the, probably the heaviest of the three cameras. Yeah. Um, I would marry the SureShot Supreme because they are yep. very reliable. They yep. just work. Um, and I'd avoid the L35AF simply because the one I've got, the F2, they just feel a little bit shonky just a little mm-hmm. bit light and very plasticky in the hand so you, mm-hmm. you know that you're just not sure just a little bit clunky yeah uh, but that's the order now for me. speaking of the pentax my pentax a lot of these issues with the 80s cameras is the old battery compartment and some of the the models of the canon auto boy are, are notorious i think it's not the one that i've got the AF, af 35 ml it's the one after that it's terrible for the battery compartment you've always got to tape it up this one though i've I do have a problem with the Pentax is that quite often I'll be out shooting and, and the battery door will pop open and the batteries fall yeah. out. Is yours like that? Or is it, am I just, the, I just got a lucky one here. They are. I think what the problem with those was the, the plastic they used for that door was very different to the plastic for the rest of the camera. It was cheap. And mm. I think to be honest, I think it was a common problem with most battery powered objects in the eighties. So they have terrible yeah. battery drawers yeah. um, on them. I've been lucky so far, so I haven't That's had good. to use tape. And they yeah. probably never thought that people, you know, 40 years later would be still be trying to use these things. So yeah. uh, there you go. Excellent. So my next, this is my, this is my second last one here, my second last one. Uh, so uh, let's see if you guess the, the link here is pretty, pretty easy. So the first camera is, and I've got one here, my visual treat. I've got the Nikon FM3A, which I know you have as well, Anil. Oh, Yes. Uh, my my lens is just um, my 50 mil lens. There's a problem with the ball bearing in it apparently. So I was out trying to shoot with this the other day, and uh, I've got to buy. Well, I could try to either fix it or buy a new lens. I'll probably just buy a new lens. Uh, a um, Series E lens. Yeah, yeah. Series yeah. E lens. They're good. Yeah, they were decent. They were the, the sort of consumer end, but they all that all that glass back then was fantastic. Excellent. So I'll have to buy one of them. So I've got FM3A, the Contax Aria, which I've never used, but I've heard good things about. And the Canon AE-1 program. Oh, oh. Oh, Anil's holding up the Contax Aria. It looks very, very nice. Yeah, with the Zeiss 51.4 plane. Wow. What year are they from? They're, they're fairly recent. These, I believe these were late 90s. Okay, yep. Um, mid to late 90s, I believe. Um, yep. Yeah. So, sorry, we've got the FM3A, the Contax Aria. Aria and the Canon AE-1 program. AE1 program. Okay. So I'd imagine the link with these is that they are 35 mil um, SLRs. SLRs. That's it. Pretty easy. Uh, <laughs> Not too tricky. They all, they all have aperture priority. Um, 
Okay, I've used all of these. I own two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, snog would be the, well, hmm. Mary's the one you keep, right? Snog is the one you, okay, Snog, I would say the, the contacts Aria. It's, it's such a beautiful camera. Um, mm-hmm. It's got loads of modern technology. It's got, it's got automatic wind on when you shoot. Um, it has this lovely. Well, it, it's funny that the, the, the shutter sound is almost—it's an almost an asthmatic wheeze. That's yeah. what I'd call it. <laughs> um, but because it's got that electronic vibe going on with it, but they are great. I mean, you've got a shutter speed—a maximum shutter speed of a four thousandth of a second. Wow. Um, so when you sh- we've got you got a Zeiss one point four on there, mm. and you can shoot. You know, uh, what, open up that aperture and still get great shots because the mm. shutter speed will allow you to. They are great cameras. So that would be my. Um, snog mm-hmm. mary the one i keep has to be the fm38 yeah and there's mine wow. in black black very nice um and so i bought this new in 2006 yeah. oh wow and that's the nikon nikon 50 mil 1.2 on the end of it and that's just such a lovely combo that is kind of you know when i'm shooting nice nice street portraits mm. um, i'll take that that out and how wide do you shoot without a, like you would you shoot f1.2 or f2 or um, 1.2, you end up with a razor thin. I, I generally, with a street portrait, I'll be, I'll try and be F, F4. I might go to F2.8, okay. but usually my, my standard is F4 because I know yeah. I'll get lovely out-of-focus mm. bits uh, without the risk of, you know, the main subject or... being out-of-focus. Yeah, yeah. And then avoid, I, I don't, I can't stand those Canon A1 programs. <laughs> they've jumped up in price. They've got yeah, a stupid yeah. battery door in a weird place. And they, they, yeah. they just feel toy-like to me. They're mm. toys. They're not cameras and you know they take great pictures um but I, I found one and then i just resold it straight away yeah um yeah. just not my cup of tea really um but i think they, it's the older one out of the three as well mm, so absolutely, just wasn't absolutely. Doing it. i'm just it's weird i'm just you got that brand thing i, I love canon point and shoots but I, i'm not a fan of canon slrs at all yeah yeah never have been. what about the eos yeah. range because the eos range they're very plasticky those 90s ones but they're very powerful cameras uh, and they're the, one of the it's the first SLR I ever bought. What what do you think are the EOS ones? Have you ever used well, them? I think firstly, I think those '90s silver molded SLR cameras, which have autofocus and good tech. I think that's going to be the next thing if people want to invest in camera, start buying yeah. those now because they're still cheap. But they yeah. by that time they nailed the technology, they nailed nailed the AF, they nailed the mm. metering, and those cameras had, were packed with great technology and yeah. you can use all sorts of uh, glass. So whether it's a Nikon, they had loads of N series silvery ones i've got a bunch of them in a the drawer they all work really well they're mm. really decent cameras they're just um, not as sexy as the old school ones yeah. though are they yeah they're, they're just all plastic but which is yeah. fine uh, yeah. but they technologically they're superb yeah absolutely so they're fine. yeah you can chuck them about and not worry as much so i would i think i would go let's see i would go i would avoid the canon a1 program i've actually got one i like it i find it a bit clunky um i always have to try and work out how the hell to work the thing uh, which isn't hard, but I, you know, it's just, it's not quite what I'm used to. Uh, and I do have the nice 51.4 lens for it. Uh, so I like it, but I think I'd avoid it. Uh, in terms of the thing I'd really, really want to try. So the snog one, I'd go for the contacts Aria. I never use one. They look beautiful. There's just a certain, I don't know. There's just like, I know they're black, like a lot of other cameras, but there's just a beautiful inky dark blackness to it. It makes it look so modern and chic. Um, yeah. So I'd love to try that out. And for the middle of the road one, the Mary one, I would go the FM3A. Again, this is again, this is the third camera I think I've got out that I've never really got on with. Um, and it's not that I, 
it's, it's a beautiful camera. It's absolutely a beautiful camera. Um, but I think it's perhaps that, yeah, manual focus SLR for me, I've, I could, because the first SLR I ever had was an EOS and it was autofocus. I do find I do find it a bit frustrating trying to nail focus with the the FM3A. Perhaps I'm um, shooting too too wide. Uh, I should be maybe going for f4 rather than f2.8 or something like that. Uh, but I, I do have a roll of Portra 160 in there. I was out shooting with it, and all of a sudden there's a, an issue with the lens. So uh, I've got to got to get another lens before I can finish the roll off on that one. Oh, that's annoying. I, I mean, for me that that is that the, the reason I love that camera as well is that I know that. You know, it will always work, and yeah, it's, it's yeah. theoretically repairable. Yeah, um, and so that's my sort of uh, camera that I know should, in theory, last a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so how many have I got left? Two or three? I think you've got two left, and I think I've got two one left. left. Okay, so interestingly, we're touching on. Okay, uh, we'll keep on this one. I'll save that. So whilst we're still on this subject, I'm going to just throw another one into the mix here. So this is just called my favorite SLRs. So I've picked my three favorite SLRs. So there's a bit of repetition here, but it makes the choice a bit more interesting. So again, there's the contacts Aria. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, okay. Secondly is the Nikon FM3A. Yep. <laughs> and thirdly, this is a camera that just, it's the gift that keeps on giving it. I, I just, love the feel of it i love the shutter sound i just love it it's just great fun and that's the pentax me super ah. and what what do you like about it it's small it's i mean it's tiny it's aperture mm. priority the the basic you know kit length the 50 standard nifty 50 you get on those are 51.7 or whatever. they're just great great and yeah. i i love it it's, it's so instinctive just mm. everything about it you bring it to the eye everything works yep it's just superb. I end up getting another one just in case this one died. Um, yeah. They are they're beautiful. I mean, in terms of size as well, you know, put it to the wow. FM3A. Yeah, yeah. It's very it small. Tiny. That's extraordinary. Actually, looking at my FM3, how can it be that small? Yeah, wow. it, it, it's incredibly compact, and I don't have the biggest hands in the world. Yeah, um, but I love it. It just feels just incredibly instinctive. It's the most instinctive camera I think I own. Mm, just the feel of it bring it up to the eye focus and you're, you're away and with the 50 on that just taking some lovely pictures and yeah. um i think it's gorgeous especially in black that's the other thing all my all my yeah cameras black cameras take better pictures as you know <laughs> that's the contacts aria me super and the yep. nikon fm3a well look if you just if you hadn't told me about it uh i would have put the me super in the avoid but and which would have probably upset uh, Mike Gutterman, who's the working man's, you know, Pentax lover. But, you know, yeah. given you, you you did such a good sales pitch on the Pentax, I'll, I'm going to snog the Pentax. I really want to try yeah. that one. So I'll choose that. In terms of the Mary, the, uh, gosh, I guess I've got to go with what I know. And I'll, I'll go with the FM3A, even though it's, it isn't my favorite camera, I must admit. But it is a beautiful thing. It's mechanical. It's going to last a long time. So I'll go with that. And the contacts area, it, it you know, I, I chose this um, in, in the last round, but I think I'll have to avoid it for this round. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, I think you should get yourself an ME Super. I, I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I'm going to make a note of that ME Super. Okay. Yeah, I can't believe how small in black. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always have a bad luck trying to get black cameras, you know. I was, I really wanted a gold or a black uh, contacts T3. Actually, they don't do gold. They do do a black one but the black ones are crazy um how can how can the difference in color be that much money but it is so they take better pictures we all know that it's 
<laughs> it's all got to do with photons and things. I couldn't explain it to you on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, which would you choose for those those three SLRs? Which, um, okay, Snog is the Emmy Super. Yeah, yep. it, it just it's it, it's a delight, it, mm. and it's really, it just feels really simple. I love it. It's just focus and shoot. It's just really really easy. Yep. Um, Mary would have to be the FM three A. It's funny because it does. I really get into the whole sensory thing of cameras as well. That the one thing that I I miss from my Lycra Seven was the shutter sound, the feel of when that shutter went. It was a very mm. subtle, heavy clunk. That was just it, it sounded lovely. I'm not the uh, FM three A's shutter sound isn't as nice as the ME Super, which has just yeah. got this. I, I don't know what it is. There's this lovely, slightly springy yeah. feel to. Uh, I love that. It could be because it's a cloth shutter. Yep. Um, so ME Super Snog. FM3A marry definitely and Aria avoid. Not that I'd want to avoid it, but again, because it's all <laughs> electronic and cameras with yeah. a built-in motor wind. So that's always, you know, that's one piece that could die at some point. Yes. Yeah. It's hard to fix. And that's what I'm worried about with my Pentax 645, you know, because mm. it's all part of the same thing. But it's true. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, well, we're on to my last set of six. My, my sixth set, my last set of yeah. three cameras. And these are point and shoots. Uh, okay. So I've got a lot of point and shoots um, and a tiny bit of repetition here, but not too much. So the first one, once again, because it's sitting right next to me is the Contax T3. Yeah. The next one, I don't even know where this one is, but it is here somewhere. Gosh, it's not the kind of thing you want to misplace, but it is <laughs> my Fujifilm Class S. I have no oh, idea yes. where it is, but the Class yes. S. Have you used the Class S before? No, I've seen it. Okay. Uh, and it is a beautiful looking object. And that goes to 1.9, does it, the lens? Uh, it Is goes to, no, 2.8. 2.8, yeah. So the Natura, I've actually got, yeah. I've actually got the Natura here. The Natura is F1.9. That's the one I was thinking of, yeah. But there's no aperture priority. So if you wanted to, you can force it to shoot at F1.9, but you've got to put in ISO 1600 film or, or faster. Right. Uh, and then it'll shoot automatically at f1.9. Otherwise, it, it, it's just like a program mode. And the last one is a camera that I know that you have some of. It is the Olympus Mu2 or Stylus Epic. Yes. So I've three very three popular premium point-and-shoot choices there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think Snog would have to be the T3. Mm -hmm. Again, it's just a lovely thing. I'm salivating every time you lift that camera up, isn't it? <laughs> It's wonderful. Um, Mary would have to be the Mu2. I, I know that camera well. Uh, interestingly, I, I actually think ergonomically the uh, Mu1 is better in terms of the problem with the Mu2 is these ridges at the top, the button. And some, I end up, yeah, I end up trying to press the ridge as opposed to pressing that weird oval button. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the Mu2 feels better in the hand, the Mu1. But the Mu2 would be my Mary. Uh, again, it's just so compact. It does everything mm. really well. Um, and avoid, not that I'd want to avoid it because it's a stunning camera, would be the Class S, mm -hmm. um, which just looks fantastic. Yeah. I've never used one. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I mean, I, I bought the Class S a few years ago. I actually bought the Class, the original Class, and I was on a flight to Sydney and I had the, the, the manual and I'm, I'm reading the manual just to work at, you know, get an overview. I'm not usually a manual reader, but I wanted to make sure I'm doing the right thing. And so I'm, I'm reading the manual and looking at the camera going, 
hang on, if the buttons aren't right on this. And then I just realized that I'd actually bought, I hadn't bought the class S at all. I'd actually bought the feature film class, which is the ah. first version of the camera. So that is not the first time that I've mucked up and I've bought the wrong camera. So always kids, when you're listening at home, always make sure, do your homework and make sure you buy the right camera. So then I went and bought the class S and, you know, I've used it for a few years and at first I was kind of like, oh yeah, it's good, but I'm not sure it's that good. But then I've actually did a test recently between images between the T3 and the Class S. And um, they're very, very similar. They, they, the, the Class S images are actually uh, a little bit warmer than the T3 ones, which is weird. Same film, same lighting conditions. Um, but they're both, they are both really nice cameras. Um, I think I would probably, I'd probably snog the old T3 because it's relatively new to me and I would, I would, that's the one I want to use the most. Mary yeah. would definitely be my my steady friend, the, the Class S. It is a beautiful camera. And avoid, not that I want to avoid it, but I would avoid the Mu 2 only because for the reasons we've already spoken about, the Mu 1 to me is ergonomically a better camera for me personally because it's a tiny bit bigger, but also when you want to turn the flash off, which invariably I, I always do for quite often, uh, it's on the top and it's a bigger button. It, on the Mu 2, it's this little dip one sort of inset and it's, it's really hard. And now that I wear glasses and I'm blind, it's really hard to see the thing and I'm getting annoyed. So um, yeah, that, that, that would be my choices. Yeah. Speaking of glasses, I, I got to the stage where I, I was on a shoot and I was looking through my D850 viewfinder and thinking, what's wrong? Is the autofocus not working? Things are looking oh, yeah. out of focus. And suddenly realized I, I, I'd have to, I had to adjust the dioptics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God, my eyes are starting to go. So I've yeah. got to, and it creates this whole new world of problems, doesn't it? You yeah. know, with cameras that you love, but looking through the viewfinder becomes more of a strain and yeah. so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, that was a joy. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's the thing. Yeah, it, it is It is annoying. Like, um, quite a, a lot of cameras are good in that you don't, I don't have to take my glasses off. You know, if it's autofocus, I don't, I don't need to wear glasses. I can just make sure I'm, you know, framing it and, and you know, and, and pressing the button. But when you're manual focusing and if there's no doctor, then trying to trying to nail focus for me is a nightmare. Um, yes, there's only a few cameras I've I've kept at a manual focus. The the Pen FT, uh, the FM3A, SX70. That's that's three of them, and they're three classics. Um, other ones, I'll, I'll, a lot of them I'll just get rid of. Ah, okay, so we come to the final one, which is final. I'm calling this uh, my. I'm calling these bucket list sexy rangefinders. Now I'm not sure if those <laughs> some of them look like rangefinders if they actually are, but yep. but they all look great and their cameras are, again in terms of design really tick my boxes. Excellent. Okay, I've owned one of them. Uh, so the first one is the Konica Hexar AF. Oh yes, yep. Okay. The second one is the Contax G2 in black. Oh, now you're talking. Yep. And the third one is the Zeiss Icon ZM. Okay, tell me about that last one. So it was, those it, it, it's Zeiss branded. It was made by Casina. So because they, they bought the Zeiss name, it's, Mark, it's yeah. an aperture priority black rangefinder camera. I think it's from the late 90s. Hmm. Uh, it's got a beautiful viewfinder to it. Uh, it takes all the M mount glass and they're, they're lovely. I had a go with one on a, a photo shoot, um, really enjoyed using it. Mm, okay. um, they're still reasonably affordable-ish. I think there were some issues with them. They don't take all the Leica and mount glass. Yeah. Um, same with the Hexar, um, the Konica Hexar. Um, I'm just Googling RF. it now to have a look yeah, at it. Does... Well, sorry. 
Sorry, yes, not nice. Hexar AF. Konica Hexar RF. Apologies. RF, the rangefinder. So the one. AF is the autofocus one in my list. So the first one is the Konica Hexar RF. Yep. So the RF is the one. The AF has a fixed lens, but the RF fixed doesn't. Length. Is that correct? Yeah, RF takes like a glass, and it's got built-in motor wind as well. Ooh. Uh, Contax G2 and the Zeiss Icon ZM. Well, look, over the last, I don't know, 12, 18 months, I have become a bit of a Contax fanboy. Uh, I had a G2 I bought from Japan a couple of years ago. It had really a really weird problem where there was a problem with the shutter and the film advance, and one frame would sort of smash into the next frame. Uh, it was really weird. Only one other person on the internet had the problem. But luckily, I, it was on the second roll. I discovered that, and I sent it back to Japan. Um, they offered me 100 US dollars to get it fixed. I'm like, well, where, who's going to fix that for 100 US dollars? Probably no one yeah. in the world. So I sent it back, and I've actually because I really liked. It was a shame because I had the three lenses. I really liked the feel of them. Uh, but I actually rebought a G1, and um, I really like the G1. It's a little bit smaller than the G2. Um, but I love the lenses. I love the feel. I love the shutter sound. I am a little con bit concerned about the electronics going forward. Um, but I think I would uh, probably out of those three, uh, I would probably, what should I do? The contacts G2. I think I'd, I think I'd marry the G2. Okay. I think uh, your Zeiss Icon ZM looks very sexy. So I think I'd snug that. And because it's a rangefinder, probably if, if it was the, if it's the AF, it would be a different story. But because it's the RF, I think I would avoid the Hexa. Okay. See, I had a contacts um, hex um, uh, hex RA off the AF. They're beautiful cameras. Mm. I mean, just to, the, the lenses are stunning on that. Yeah. They're just so damn cool. But I always ended up getting sort of trapped by the the, the shut, maximum shutter speeds on five hundredth of a second. Yeah. So that limited me a lot, you know, and I had the wrong film in it, and everything would be burned out. Yeah, just not, just didn't quite do it for me. And again, I got rid of it because I was just worried that it might die one day. Mm. um so for me i think um snog the one it would be the hexar rf i mm. i've handled one of those that i just love the way they feel they've got a slightly rubbery oh, yeah. sort of coat and they're very compact um and i just think they look amazing the, the fact that the view the rangefinder window on the camera side it's it's got a slight curve cut into the glass so it's mm. nestles in next to the lens i just nice. think it's a beautiful touch um, so I, I definitely snog that. Yep. Uh, Mary, I think the Zeiss Icon ZM, I, I, I love the feel of that camera. I love the square boxiness of it. And that, that's one thing I love about rangefinders, that boxy square thing. I mean, I've got one of my favorites here, which is the Minolta Hymatic E. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that look. I, I just think it's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, also this one, the Raleigh XF, XF 35, which nice. is similar lovely sort of complex yeah. square look um so that zeiss icon would be my uh marry and avoid the contacts g2 not that i'd want to avoid it but i think my worry is you know i've dipped in and out of looking at those sometimes over the years mm. i just think they're too risky to buy now i, yeah. I thought the mechanics go um and also that the lcds go on them lcd yeah uh, it's a classic thing that goes wrong with those cameras and i just remember the 80s everything the L lcd would always end up melting and the the, the the ink would leak out wouldn't it the crystal yeah on loads of things um and so it's one of those things you could yes you could buy one but you're it's a ticking time bomb in my in my view well it's funny with the g1 i bought the g1 it was only like 200 it was 500 500 dollars a g1 with the 45 mil planar lens which is 250 250 260 quid 
and uh, I bought it. But the only thing wrong with it was the film counter. And I thought, oh, that's okay. That, that won't bother me. Well, guess what? It really does bother me because I never yeah. know what, I never know if I've loaded the film properly for a start because it's so quiet. Um, but I, I do. It's, it's, it's pretty foolproof. But then you, you're t- taking the images and you never know what image you're on. You know, should I burn a few frames just to finish it? And so I actually bought another G1. Um, so I've got two G1s up there at the moment. I need to get rid of the old one. Um, but yeah, it is annoying when the, things like that go wrong. Um, you can, of course, use the contacts lenses on like your digital kit. Um, but again, the, the manual focus. But um, yeah, they are they are the g1 does feel really good it feels i remember the g2 feeling like felt like my, my wrist was going to break it felt just felt so heavy but the g1 yeah. i think is a little bit lighter and a bit more compact and probably a, a bit less risk for the money i always like cameras that have a bit of heft to them because and this is what bugs me about mirrorless cameras they end mm. up so small by the time you put lenses on them they become front heavy yeah but i like i like a camera with heft because it sort of absorbs pressure so you know when you're pressing the yeah, that's um, a button. It's less likely Steadier. to move, and mm. it just yeah, it just feels feels steadier in the hands. So I've never had a problem with heavy cameras. Yeah, um, obviously a Pentax six seven. I think I draw the line there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. but I like cameras that have a bit of heft because also you know they've got real things inside them. You know, yeah, they're built with a bit of love. Uh, did, does the G one focus well? You know, have you found I think the AF does. I think it does. I think there's a common thing whenever you post in a group about it, like a Facebook group about talk about the G1, people will say, "Oh, the G1 isn't focused. The, the G2 is better." But I think it's it's a kind of a thing like you almost got to learn how to to focus it, which sounds stupid because it's it's an autofocus camera. So, but it's it's kind of like you, what I do is when I when I focus it, I you know have a little square in the middle or whatever. I go over my subject and then I check the distance. And if right. the distance is like, if, you know, I'm photographing you and you're two, three meters away and it's just two or three, it's fine. If it says five or, or 0.7 or something, then, you, you know, you know, it's not right. And occasionally I've, I've done that. I've been snapping away and I've taken a photo and it has been the wrong distance. So it's not actually in a way, it's not really the camera's fault. The camera's thinking, oh, you want, you want to, you want to, you know, take a photo of that over there, but you know, you actually want to take something closer or further away. Um, so I think as long as you're sort of double checking that distance in the, in the viewfinder and going, yep, that's about how far away it is. I've always found it to be really good. Um, but it, see, for it, me, it, that's, yeah, I see that as a design flaw because the fact you're having to take it away from your face that, to check if it's doing what it's meant well, to be doing. Well, I think, let me have a think. I think you can actually see it in the viewfinder. Oh, okay. Um, so it's not, I mean, it, it slows you down a little bit. Um, but it's not as, yeah, it will actually say in the viewfinder, the only things you can see through the viewfinder are the shutter speed and whereabouts it's going to focus. And, and quite often it will, it usually has, it's got a scale in there. So it goes from, I'm taking glasses off again. It goes from 0.5 of a meter, one meter, two meters, five meters to infinity. So quite often, you know, if we're taking a photo, it'll say, you know, of a person in front of you, it'll say two, like, you know, it's fine. That's not too bad. It's not too bad. I mean, look, it, is it true kind of EOS, you know, Canon EOS style autofocus? Not really. It's not, it's not idiot proof, but um, I find if you do that method, it's, it, it's, you know, I'll probably get 34 shots in focus on a roll of 36. Um, where, when I wasn't doing that, I'll probably get five, six, seven out of focus. So it, I think it is a bit about learning how that, the quirks of the camera probably. Yeah. 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 They're beautiful. Excellent. They are beautiful. I just, just the shapes are just 
they do something to me. Great. Yeah, and the lenses are beautiful. I have used these. I've got Fuji X um, series gear. Um, it's funny when I sold the G2, I actually sold. Uh, I, I sent the G2 back to Japan for a refund, and then I someone wanted the G the uh, the contacts the Fuji X adapter, so I just sold it really cheap, like ten bucks or something. And then, of course, a few months later, I got the G1. So I, I need to buy another adapter, and so I can adapt these onto. Uh, my my Fuji gear just to, to play around with that. There you go. That that ends our 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 snog marry avoid round. Was there any revelations there in, in terms of cameras that uh, you know you potentially you you might be lusting after now? Or well, um, I think I mean I, I sort of I, I've my biggest challenge is always just being you know what it's like. It's that bias affirmation. You know you you <laughs> you know people will when there's a camera you want, you'll find all the reviews online that match what you think just to make yeah. you want it more. Yeah, what's and that called? Um, oh, what's it called again? Um, confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. That's the yeah. one. Um, yeah. I, I, I go through phase up, but I've learned to sort of be better. At, at, I, I've just tried to, I, I'm trying as hard as possible to try and use the cameras I've got at the moment. Cause I, yeah. cause I keep, you know, every time I open the cupboard, I, I see something and think, gosh, that's a new dust. I haven't used it for a while or you've got half a roll of film in you. Um, I think this, you know, if I have a, a new year's resolution for next year, it's going to be to just s- slow down and just shoot better. Mm. Um, and, you know, keep, I, I always, when I go out now, I'll take a film camera and a DSLR. So yep. I will then pick, you know, okay, I'm having a bit of fun here. I'll get the DSLR out, but when I want to get a nice shot, mm. you know, or a nice portrait, I'll, you know, probably do it with both, but I'll make sure I'm saving the film for the right thing. So I'm, you know, getting better results, which makes me feel better as opposed to wading through loads of junk and going, yeah. well, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. Um, and wasting time and money. It's funny. So, I've, you- I've got some cameras here and I, there's a couple of them. I thought I probably should get rid of, like I, I have been thinking to get rid of this Pentax, but after our conversation today, I feel like I shouldn't get rid of it. So, um, it, but it is funny. I, I do desperately want to, I, I've, you know, like, probably like you, like a lot of other people, I've got so many cameras. I don't give enough of them um, time and attention, but um, I I think hopefully in the new year and in 2022, I definitely want to get rid of more and focus on a few of these other ones. I've I've kind of neglected a little bit. I I think what I try to do is categorize cameras and sort of choose ones for different purposes. So Mm -hmm. for example, the, the, you know, the Pentax PC35 AFM and the um, Shawshot Multitele. Yeah. I'd call them party cameras. So if you're having a party, Put some nice slow film in there, get the flash on and yeah. you'll have fun. You'll get some really cool looking fun pictures out of yeah. that. I wouldn't use those necessarily for my main portraits or expect yeah. to get lots of cool things out of them. They're more for close-ups of objects that just look great because yep. they've been shot with that camera and lens. Mm. So I've got better at sort of choosing what I'm going to go out and shoot with as well. Almost at the end of our discussion, I've really um, uh, had a great time talking to you today. I've got a little, uh, two more things I want to do. There's a couple of questions I want to ask you that I've heard you, things you've talked about in other podcast episodes of Sunny 16, I think it was. And then at the end, I've got a quick fire round where I'm going to, I've got um, 18, uh, 18 choices. I was supposed to do 20, but I ran out. So I've got 18 choices and you very quickly have to make a choice between one or the other. So we'll okay. do that right at the end. 
Um, but before we do that, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Now, I remember when I heard you on the Sunny 16, there was a couple of things you used to talk about, and I wonder if you still do these. So the first one is you talk about when you, I think you were speaking about when you used to go do street portraits. You used to have a little card and you used to say, hi, my name's Anil, I'm taking these street portraits, you know, can I take your photo? How has that, has that been affected because of the COVID situation or do you still do that or...? I've, I mean, good thing in a way, I, I found through lockdown, there were periods when not many people were out. So that, that affected things. But at the same time, when people were out, they wanted human contact. Sure. So street photography was, uh, street portraits was a really nice way because you can keep your distance. Yeah. Um, you know, be on a slightly longer lens, be on an 85. You're not invading their space. But people are not happy just to have a chat and connect. So if anything, it actually became more relevant and more important. Uh, the problem with me was I, I, I was just a bit more introverted during that period. And I, if anything, I was just walking around with a DSLR, just shooting random street stuff without engaging with people. Yeah. Because uh, I was also partly conscious that people might feel that you're invading their space or they mm. didn't want to start the chat. But on the whole now, people have got into the rhythm of this pandemic stuff and they like those moments again. Yeah. Um, so so that's that's something I've, I've been carrying on with. Excellent. And the other thing was, uh, and I actually tried this out. I was last summer in the UK, my, my wife's from Wolverhampton. So we try and get back to the UK every couple of years, but obviously with the situation at the moment, we haven't been back since 2019. But when I was in the UK in 2019, I did try this. And I remember you talking about this. Uh, I walked into a charity shop and I, and I, you know, they had a couple of cameras out and I said to them, can I have a look at the cameras from the box out the back? And um, they sort of said, oh, we don't have, we don't have any at the back. And I tried to do my Jedi, my animal style Jedi mind trick, show me the cameras from out the back. And they did actually bring some out, would you believe that yeah. they were still, they were still sorting. Um, and they weren't actually very good. So I didn't buy them. Uh, but you, can you still do that? Are there still bargains out there in charity shops in the UK? I would on the whole say no. Uh, hmm compared to about five years ago now and and fair enough and this is the thing they're charity shops you know they're they're raising money for a good cause <clears throat> so firstly i never try and lowball a charity shop i'll buy it at the rate they say or yep. you know if they say make me an offer i won't you know because uh, i'll feel awful and that's bad karma yeah um but i suppose it's, it's annoying but it's fair enough you know most charity shops now they'll get something they'll look at it they'll have a look on ebay and they'll yeah. just have a price have that it. way yeah and which yeah. is all fine and fair enough um it's very rare i think car boot sales are better places to try and find bargains but again there as well people have latched on to the fact that the physical objects have value now uh, yeah. and physical engineered objects more so than before and then you've seen the way the prices are shooting up mm. on ebay it's, it's gone absolutely crazy it's unbelievable absolutely. yeah um so i think yeah it, it's it's a lot more difficult but you've got to try and that's it's the fun is in the search right yeah, absolutely, absolutely, the hunt. And probably before we do the quick fire round, I've got one other topic. I about five years ago, I I sort of got uh, very interested in uh, meditation and uh, mindfulness, and I used to go to a Buddhist temple uh, for about a year. We'd do meditation and learn about Buddhism. The kids would go to this Buddhist version of Sunday school sort of thing and learn all this stuff. But I guess the one thing that I got out of all that was. Um, you know, just how the concept of death in Buddhism, this realization that, hey, you know, whether we like it or not, we're all going to die one day. I had three friends of mine, uh, my my wife's older sister, she died when she was 37 from cancer. I had a friend of mine in his 30s who committed suicide and I had another friend of our family who 
who, who unfortunately um, passed away on his 30th birthday unexpectedly. And, you know, I have this idea, you know, in your mind, you might think, well, we're all going to pass away when we're 70 or 80 or 90 in a nice little nursing home, peacefully surrounded by family and friends. But that's just not the case for, for so many people. Um, do you ever think about death in terms of, of, of the, all this stuff that we, I've got? Look around my office here. You can probably see I've got so many cameras. Do you ever think about what will happen to your camera stuff and your photography after you're, after you're not here anymore? Um, okay, that's a, that's a really good question. I think, firstly, I think that the concept of death is something, uh, also as you get older, um, it, you become more conscious of it. You realise that things are only going in one direction. None of us get out of here alive. So right. philosophically, yeah, philosophically, it makes you, I think it makes you a better person. Um, as long as you're not dwelling on it all the time. For me, also time, time, that subjective nature of time as you get older, time goes so damn fast. And that's for me, it's the key thing that drives me and keeps me sort of shooting so prolifically. Yeah. I'm so conscious of how little spare time I have. And when I have it, it is so precious for me to go out and use that time. Yeah. Take quick pictures and do things. And then in terms of what I like about photography, again, is that the, the fact that you're being creative, you're, it's, it's a very mindful thing. Um, but also you're building a body of work. Mm. Um, and I, I love the fact that, you know, one day when I go, um, I'll have this work, both digital and film, that might be of value to someone. And, you know, my family can look through it and, you know, there's memories there. Yeah. I think that 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 makes me happy because you know in the midst of daily life you know my wife said oh god stop taking pictures of me I'm like just one just stop there smile the light's really nice in this room just hold that for a second and the boys as well but you know a few years later they look back on them and you can see they're glad they were taken um also for me my my father died three years ago yesterday um yeah and you know he was 85 but stranger I actually took pictures of him in his last moments and I I was with him as, as he died and it was a strange thing because I I was suddenly told I was got a call from the hospital saying it could be um two hours it could be two or three days uh but get over here and I rushed over uh, got a train to Leicester and I, I weirdly the the first thing I grabbed was a camera and I've never shown these pictures to anyone I don't know if I ever will but and I also asked myself, is this creepy? Why am I doing this? Why am I taking pictures of my father as he's dying? Is it undignified? But I had a few hours of my father, his last hours on this earth, just talking to him and, you know, laughing and things. And I took some photographs of him and they're distressing to look at. But I, the, the, the thing is, when th that whole period, when that whole thing happened, it was you go into shock and your, body, your, your mind tries to forget that moment. Mm. So, you know, immediately after he died, I had to organise the funeral and all sorts of things. It was just before Christmas. It was just a really weird time. And I'm glad I took those pictures. Um, yeah. Because I, I remember what it was like just being there in that exact moment with my father. That You know, they pop up on my computer every now and then when I'm searching and I almost have to look away for a moment because they're, they're too painful. But I'm also glad that I took them because they, they, they remind me of details. So th these are, in a sense, uh, very, very deeply personal photos. That ones that I guess yeah. that only you really want to see. I mean, have you ever? Have you never, no one's ever seen them except for you. Yeah, members of my family, my you know, my wife and my kids have seen mm. them. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I, I still feel it's that thing of 
should I have done this? Is it a sacred moment? But also, it's just, I'm just glad that it was just like, it's almost getting the most out my dad just before he went, you know, then yeah, those yeah. last moments down on something physical. Yeah. And that's why, you know, it, for me, that was important. Just mm. having those last moments, those very last moments with him to, to look at. Yeah. Yeah, I've often thought with my stuff, I don't know, like I I, I feel like I, I had a joke with my wife once and I said, you know, um, you know, whenever I go, I, you know, I can imagine her out in the front lawn here with all my cameras for $5 each and I'll be up up floating somewhere thinking, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Don't sell that one for $5. So <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like I want to leave some kind of, hopefully I'm not going to pass away for a long, long time, but I feel like I want to say to her one day, sit her down and just say, look, these are the ones I want you to keep or get valued. All this other stuff over there is a load of crap. Um, but anyway, we'll, <laughs> I, I'll get around to that one day, but maybe not yet. The last thing I've got for us is a, a quick fire round, and you've got to choose here. Um, actually, I'm just going to add two more. Okay. Uh, okay, and there's 20 pairs of things, okay, and you've right. got to choose one. Now, you might love both. You might hate both. But you, you, you've got to choose one. Okay. Right. Okay, here we go. I'm ready. Uh, Brighton or London? Brighton. Film or digital? Film. Street, street photography or portraits? Portraits. Canon or Nikon? Nikon. Football or cricket? Football. Sushi or burgers? Sushi. 35 mil or 120? 120. Lab scan or home scan? Lab scan. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Uh, Ilford or Kodak? Kodak. SLR or rangefinder? SLR. Chocolate or crisps? Chocolate. Helmet Newton or Henri Cartier-Bresson? Newton. Uh, beer or wine? Oh, neither. Whiskey. Um, <laughs> wine. Okay. Uh, Mew or Minox? Ooh, Mew. Uh, being a creative director or being a photographer? Being a photographer. Uh, now, forgive me for these next two because I thought you lived in Brighton, uh, but the Palace Pier or the Royal Pavilion? Pier. Fish and chips or curry? Curry. Uh, England or India? Ooh, India. <laughs> excellent uh thank you so much uh, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today Anil. i hope you've, you've got a busy rest of the day lined up have you or yeah i'm uh, now off to see if i can get a covid booster jab um yes. and um and then just chilling and getting ready to go back to work tomorrow from home from this very desk but yeah, i've really really enjoyed this matt thank you so much it's been a real honor Thanks so much to Anil for giving up his time. It was fantastic. Having heard him on other podcasts over the years, to have him on Matt Loves Cameras was a real honor. Now, Anil actually launches a new book tomorrow. It's called Hometown. It looks fantastic. It looks very like very high quality. looks amazing. The photos look great. So if you want to check that out, head along to Anil's Instagram, which is Anil Mystery Photo, A-N-I-L. M-I-S-T-R-Y-P-H-O-T-O. And he's got a link tree in his bio with all links to all of his other stuff, which is fantastic. So check that out. Thank you so much, Anil.
Now, of course, that conversation was recorded in December. And that final part of the conversation touched on what happens to our photos and our gear when we're gone. And in the uh, intervening time, the Sunny 16 has actually come out with a whole episode about that called Legacy. So certainly check that out. And in the latest backing paper episode from Sunny 16, also called Backside Paper, I think that's uh, part of the program's called, uh, Graham reads out an email from someone called Richard Moore. And I actually thought it was a really good letter. I really enjoyed hearing Richard's thoughts on our legacy and what happens to our stuff. So so check out that latest backing paper from the Sunny 16 as well. Now, on that episode, Graham was joined by Matthew Joseph, friend of the show, Matthew Joseph. So speaking of all things Matthew Joseph and all things Pano, Pantastic is still open until the 17th of April. So make sure you get out your cheap plastic pano camera and get snapping. All the deets are on mattlovescameras.com. Had a lot of good feedback about episode 56 where Matthew and I went through all the entries so far. Had a lot of lols. So make sure you check that out if you haven't already. Now, since that episode went to air, we've had two new entries for the latest Pantastic from Adam Bennett and Molly Kate. So I think we're up to about 27 entries, and I think we've got a handful more that I know about that will be rolling in very soon. Now, speaking about Molly Kate, Molly is an American living in Wales. She's a YouTuber, and she also has a really cool website with some blogs on there and other stuff. So check that out. It's eclectochrome.com. I hope I said that right. I'll spell it out for you. It's E-C-L-E-C-T-A-C-H-R-O-M-E.com, eclectochrome.com. And on Molly's website, there are links to her YouTube channel, and I've watched a few videos. I thought they were really good. So yeah, definitely support Molly and, and check that out. And another another segue, gosh, there's one segue after another here. Molly recently appeared on the first official episode of a new film photography podcast. Friend of the show, Lucy Lumen has launched Lucy Lumen's podcast adventure. So make sure you get along to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google or wherever you get your podcasts and search up Lucy Lumen. And uh, yeah, that was a really good first episode. And I did send Lucy, you know, as because I'm Lucy's friend, I, I sent her through a little bit of constructive criticism about the episode. The only thing that I was disappointed at with uh, was that there was no music at the start of the podcast. So I, I queued the podcast up. And of course, uh, Lucy and her partner Lux are known for their really killer soundtracks to their videos, really excellent original music. And so when I fired up the podcast, I just thought there'd be some killer synth tune, you know, introducing Lucy, um, but there wasn't. So I just messaged her and said, where's, where's the music? Where's the podcast music? So uh, she, she replied uh, that she, she's going to add some just, just for me. Uh, well, you know, I'm not sure I, I deserve any music just for me, but um, I'd, I'd love to hear some more Lux's music, so get on to it. That's it for this time. Make sure you come follow me on TikTok, Matt Loves Cameras. I'll see you next time. Take care. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Matt Loves Cameras. <laughs> I was going to say you ruined that, but it actually sounded pretty good. Well, thank you.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs>